I'm sure it's going to be expensive as shit at first. Like, <laughs> you know, like chargers right now start at like 34,000. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing next year's charger. That's the electric motors only probably going to be 50 <laughs> is the new starting point price because all the electric cars are all expensive that way. Yeah. Which is another reason I don't have one is because they're all still overpriced in my opinion. Unless you want a Prius, and I don't, I don't, but. I mean, closest I'll get is probably buying one of those cars in Rocket League or something. Oh, that's, yeah, so, I, I you didn't see Fast X, right? Not yet, no. Did you watch any of the trailers? Some. I, like, I wasn't really worried about spoilers with Fast and the Furious, because it's. So, like, there's a whole section fast, of the boom, movie. Explosions. Which I, which I know is in the trailer, but there's, like, this, this bomb that's a, that's a ball. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. rolling down the street. I have seen those and moments in yeah, the trailer. So there's a whole section of the movie like that where Dom's trying to get the charger in front of the front of the ball to stop it or redirect it. And all I could think about is this is Rocket League. It's it's <laughs> Rocket League in the movie. And then sure enough, I'm like, man, I could really go for Rocket League when I get home. Like it, oh. it <laughs> But like I'm like it it's I, whether it is intended or not, like I'm, I'm walking out of the movie. Like I just want to go home and play rocket league. So I go home, I log into lock rocket league. Sure enough, there's fucking fast and furious packs in the store for the movie. The chargers there. So it worked. I, I bought a fucking digital charger to play in rocket league just cause I was like, well, that looks like fucking fun. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> oh my God. Worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is a fellow survivor of the Jedi Purge, Mike Bradley. Hey there, I'm here. We're going to talk about a video game. It's different this yeah. time because it's a video game and, you know, not a movie. And you got an intro this time. You like that one? Was that, did that pass the test? Well, it was for both of us, so it worked. It was, you All know, right. A fellow survivor that, you know. That's true. I guess I didn't. It sort of includes me in that too. So I got my yeah. own. Very rarely do I get my own intro, sort of. So yeah. I should start doing Two birds that with one uh, stone. Yeah. for you each episode that I'm on at least. Oh, like should... I'll, I'll try to give one for you guys, and then you come around and give me one at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, the, the part of the deal is I have to try to figure out one for you guys. So we'll see if I even get that far. We'll see, see what happens. See, if I remember <laughs> to do it, um, you're getting one next time. If, but that's a big if. I, you know. Yeah. I feel the same way. So this this could be the one in, <laughs> once in a month type of thing that happens. <laughs> um, all right. So here we are. We got, like Mike said, we got another Star Wars stuff to talk about. This time a video game themed episode. So we're going to sit down and try to talk about some Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, this is Respawn's sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order from 2019. So this is the continued adventures of Cal Kestis and the Mantis crew. Um, honestly, I didn't really have any intention of, of turning this into an episode, but I, I finished the main story recently and actually couldn't stop thinking about the game. And the more I was sort of like looking at other stuff, it just kind of gave me the urge to really kind of want to talk about it. And out of our, our podcast crew, like the only other person to really get through the game so far is Mike. I, I know even play uh, either of the two games at <laughs> all, right, like, right? to be clear, like it, the, the others have not even attempted any of this yet. 
Yeah, I mean, we know Josh is off the table. He doesn't play stuff, so that's fine. We kind of accepted that. But both Andy and Ian both said Fallen Order is basically on their back catalog of games to get through, that they haven't played the first one and didn't want to jump into the second one. So, you know, that's that's fine. So it's just two of us this time. Oh, okay. I will, uh, I did want to, I'll, I'll plug up top too. I, I will use this to plug my Twitch channel. I was talking about it in previous episodes. I streamed my entire playthrough of... Jedi Survivor on my Twitch channel. So it came out to, I think, 11 different videos that I don't remember what the hours were. Probably 30, 25, 30-ish hours worth of stuff that I played through. Uh, so if you want to see any of that, um, feel free to hit my Twitch page up. It's Jedi Bry Guy, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, you can go through the videos tab, look for Jedi Survivor stuff. I tried to, I think, put all the videos in a collection there. So if you're curious, hopefully you can just find a Star Wars collection on the page and all the videos will be there. I'll have to double check that they are there. By the time this goes up, they will be there if they're not already. Gotta, gotta work um, with you to get you a YouTube page. You can auto upload those to a YouTube. Yeah, it's something like, else. Yeah, something else to maybe do. They have things that'll do that for you. It's yeah. kind of cool. So either way, if you're if you're curious about uh, what my playthrough was like or if you're curious about the game and want to check it out, you can check the page out and see see what it was like playing through that game. Um, For anyone that's unfamiliar with the games, so these are... Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor are both third-person action-adventure games set in the Star Wars universe. They are, I guess I would describe them as Souls-like games, right? I would I would. Yeah, they fall that. under that category. Um, okay. They, they, when we get into discussing more about the game, I can expound on that a bit more. But they, 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 okay. they, they fall into that category, yes. So there's some, there's some combat, there's some light RPG-type elements, platforming traversal, puzzles... Um, resting at a save point resets all the yeah. enemies. That's a big one for a Souls-like, okay. is when you rest, things get reset. <laughs> it's somewhat open world, but also kind of linear at the same time. Like, they give you a planet and stuff to explore, but you can't just go everywhere. You're still running into walls, and it's still trying to direct you certain places. Um, I would call that, story... like, Metroidvania-style um, in the game, where you're yeah. going to unlock abilities that allow you to access areas that you saw, but you couldn't reach yes. before. Yeah, there's a lot of backtracking that can happen with some of this stuff, too. So there's, you know, the story will take you away from a planet, and then you'll get an ability that leads you right back to the same planet again to do some other stuff. So you're going back and forth a lot. Yeah. Um, the story takes place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I think Fallen Order is five years after Revenge of the Sith. Survivor is set five years after that. So it's right smack in the middle of Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So we are at the height of the Empire. Uh, again, you play as Calcastus, who is a Jedi that survived the Persians and is now on the run while being hunted by the Inquisitors and the Empire. Uh, and that's about the gist of the story that I'm going to give you up front. So I'm going to treat this episode just sort of like we do with our review episodes. So we'll sort of talk generally at first about the game. Uh, I'll throw out the spoiler warning and we'll get into story specifics of kind of what happens and, and cool shit that uh, we want to talk about. So... Mike up front, generally speaking, so again, no story specifics, and just in case anybody hasn't played either of the games, uh, what did you think, because I know you've played Fallen Order too. so what did you think of sort of both games overall? So I'll start out by um, explaining what I meant with the Souls-like kind of thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, the first time around um, with Fallen Order, I, I think they improved on the combat which is, I, I think, still where these games, in terms of gameplay, fall behind a Souls game, is they feel very scripted in terms of combat. I think I mentioned this to Brian before when we had talked about the game, obviously not on a show, um, where 
a lot of combat sequences seem to end in scripted moments. And it seems like even for just common enemies, it has scripted finishers that just happen, whether you want them to or not. And I, it feels, it, it felt to me like a lot in the combat in both, in this game in particular, was taking over at the end of a encounter with an enemy for you, whereas the first game didn't. And I, this might be the only thing about the combat that I actually prefer from the first game. Okay. Was not having that. Like, I get, you know, like, there's dismemberment in this game, and I think they wanted a lot of that to be controlled by them as opposed to just randomly allowing limbs and stuff to fall off and it would be like very funny and janky but not really fitting for the star wars universe um so i think that's why they went that route um and and i think where that differs from souls games is just they're much more fluid in letting you do whatever the hell you want and go wherever the hell you can manage to get and the combat is much more open i think and less reliant on abilities or scripting or anything like that so they feel really like different. what a more variety of weapons and stuff too right and well yeah like that. and you know that, that that's definitely the case is you know, i mean in in a souls game you've got magic you've got everything from as small as a dagger to you know a brick hammer the size of a small car that you know like it just goes to the ridiculous lengths that's also not part of the Star Wars universe. At least right. not a game like this. You know, if it was a more open RPG where you create a character and they might be a Jedi, they might be a a brawler, they might be a, you know, a, a scoundrel type like Han Solo. There, there's a lot of possibilities there, maybe in future games like this that don't follow one specific character. I think there would be possibilities for them to explore that, but for now... Yeah, because you're shoehorned in a little bit just from being a Jedi character. It's like, well, we gotta get this guy a lightsaber, he's a Jedi, so now you're stuck with a lightsaber. Right, and I mean, that's really the draw to a Star Wars game. Especially, you know, like, come use a lightsaber. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not complaining that I'm only using a lightsaber because that's probably <laughs> all I would use anyways. Right. If the options were there for other things. I just think, like... Like I said, like, I, I don't know, like, the, 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 the scripted endings to a lot of the encounters I felt were like, eh, okay. Um, but anyways, back to general thoughts between the two games. This is definitely an improvement on the first game um, in terms of a lot of quality of life things that were kind of needed for the first game. Um, I will say this felt easier than the first one did, and I think okay. that, that could be down to it being a little bit more fluid. I feel like... I don't know, it almost felt like input lag a lot of the time with Fallen Order that I really didn't get as much with this one, where it felt like okay. I pressed a button for like parrying or attacking and it happened right away. And I feel like, for whatever reason, Fallen Order had some kind of input lag going on where things felt slightly delayed. Yeah. Um, less responsive. Still good. You know, just not as responsive as I'd like. Okay. Um, but yeah, all around, I mean... This is definitely a step up. Um, the abilities you get, the Metroidvania stuff that wasn't in the first game, really, where, like, the backtracking and all that, I really felt like that wasn't as much of a part. Uh, See, I felt like I backtracked a lot <clears throat> in Fallen Order. And I don't know if maybe that was just the, the path that I sort of chose to get through things, and it required me to go back and forth a lot, but I felt like I was retreading a lot of ground in Fallen Order when I played it. I mean, I kind of did the same thing here, but I think the the fast travel points help in this game a lot. 
yes, the fat the fast travel points are really important, and I feel like the backtracking that you're doing in this game is more so like, oh yeah, I saw that thing. I wonder if this ability will help me go get that thing now. Yeah. Whereas in the first time around, it was like, I have to go back the way I came because I have to go back the way I came. Right, like, I right. don't have a choice. Um, you know, so for instance, in this, you know, I mean, just like the first game, you have to fly around the, the system in a ship and you have a fast travel point right back to your ship. So you can go to these further reaching parts of planets than you could in Fallen Order and then just fast travel back to your ship. Once you like, you just have to make your way back to a save point, and then you can fast travel back to your ship. Yeah, as opposed to running for twenty minutes to get back to your ship, it's a big quality of life thing. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of time wasted in Fallen Order just trying to backtrack and get to where I needed to go. Yes. Um, however, one thing that the series still needs, and hopefully, if you know, there's a third game coming down someday. Maybe there is. Maybe there's not. Um. But something they need is waypoint markers wherever I want to put them that show me how to go where I need to go. I got so lost so many times on just figuring out, oh, look, there's a crack in the wall there that I'm supposed to just guess exists. <laughs> um, it, that happens so many times. Or finding myself in a room that I it has a puzzle in it and I think I'm advancing the main story quest and it turns out I'm in the wrong place entirely and I'm just going for a collectible at the end <laughs> of the puzzle. And it's like, it needed more direction on, you know, how to get where you're going. Yeah. Um, or just less little crevices to crawl through or, you know, very specific pathing to get there. So I don't know. I know there was an option with the map that uh, was supposed to like sort of lead your path. Like if you if you are trying to get somewhere, if you enter a room, as soon as you're in there, I know when I, I had the option on, I don't remember what the option was, but I did too. If I would get into a room, it would sort of lead like a dotted line to kind of tell me, oh, okay, I can I can traverse on the wall here to get around, or I can I can jump up to this point. Like the see, my map's didn't... trying to tell me I have the right abilities to get to where I need to go. Mine didn't do that for me. Like, okay. I don't know if it was just weird or if it's buggy because it's a new game and pretty much every game that releases now is buggy. Um, But it, it wasn't really, I don't know. I was having a, a difficult time with pathing. And I even ran into one spot where I wasn't soft locked, but I had to kill myself. Um, oh, okay. You know, like, cause as long as you can die, you're not soft locked in this game because it'll spawn you back to, you know, wherever you right, last right. saved. But I hit a, a spot in a puzzle where I did the puzzle wrong, but I couldn't reach any safe platform from where I was. And I was just stuck on this platform that I was on. And the only mm. option was to jump off the ledge until my health was gone. Because, you okay. know, they it takes a chunk of your health and then spawns you back up at the right, top. Right. So I had to jump off the ledge a few times and die. Which was a little bit annoying, but I did it to myself by doing the puzzle wrong. But there was also nothing telling you how, you know what I mean? No, no clear direction of what the goal of the puzzle was to begin with. The puzzle song is always the hardest part for me. Like, I I like it when I get there and it's like, ooh, I can figure this out. And then after 10 minutes, I'm like, I can't figure this out. Fuck, what do I do? And then I got to go to YouTube and try to have someone tell me what to do because <laughs> I just don't want to be stuck anymore. So some of, some of those got to me after a while. Um, but I think that happened in Fallen Order, too. And even like Uncharted is one of my favorite games. 
And I still, some of those puzzles, don't remember how to do it when I get there. And I just don't want to waste the time sitting there in one room for half an hour trying to figure out a puzzle. So I just, just someone tell me how to do it and I just want to move on. See, I, I like the puzzles when the puzzles make sense. And I feel like they tried to include too many of them here for them all to make sense. That they, Like all to be like linear logic or, yeah, you know, logic that's simple to figure out how you're supposed to get to the end or where you're supposed to go. Well, there's so many times, too, where I, I encounter a puzzle, like especially with uh, when you finally start to see there's like a there's a there's like a fungus that's in the game and there's a specific like energy blast that clears the fungus. So you start seeing it and you get to a room where there's like this energy blast and you can tell what it's doing, that you need it to get to a certain point to dis disperse this fungus stuff. And I sat there for probably 10 or 15 minutes, like trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I maneuver this laser to go where I need it to go? And I just didn't have the ability to make it work yet. It's an upgrade that you need further in the game that will oh. then allow you to sort of re redirect stuff. But I didn't know that. So I'm just wasting time looking around. Like, I don't know what to do and why this isn't working. And I... the game just kind of wants you to, it just kind of lets you stumble and figure it out, which is, can be fun for some people. But when you're just trying to, I guess, move on and, if you don't have the patience for it, maybe I could see it being a little bit frustrated, which is, I know I get that way a little bit. Um, it, when so you don't have that. the ability to solve a puzzle, it should pop up and say like, Hey, maybe try this later or, you know, or have like BD pop up and, you know, say something to Cal and Cal just be like, yeah, you know what? I bet we need something to figure out how to like, to do this. I bet, I bet we're missing something. So there's a point I want to make about that, but I think it's going to get, go a little bit into to spoilery stuff. So I'm going to try to save it and try to remember to put a pin in it and come back to it Yeah. about like what you, what, what the game is telling you, you can and can't do. Um, so I'll, I'll try to come back to that. I, I, I kind of know where you're going with that already, okay. but we'll see if we'll see if we're on the same, if we thought the same thing when some of those moments happened, the, the, the same fungusy stuff that you ran into, there was another spot much later into the game where man, you know, like the, what you had to do was so ridiculous and they made it seem even more ridiculous than it was. <laughs> and I was trying, you know, so like they, they give you a tool in the game that allows you to kind of manipulate this stuff a little bit. And there's a window that I'm peeking through trying to do that. And it doesn't want you to do that. It wants you to platform around the building instead of trying to shoot, you know, through the window to get to the thing you need to do the yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, no, you got a platform all the way around this building. But we showed you this, um, the thing that you need to do, and we showed you the stuff that it does, you know, the fungus you need to clear. It's like, here's that. Here's the thing that you use to clear the fungus, and you have the tool to connect the two things to make it clear it. But you're not supposed to do it from here. You're supposed to know that you jump outside the building and go all the way around. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know that? I spent 20 <laughs> minutes in this room trying to figure out how I'm going to connect these things. Yeah. Or how the door opens so that I could get to the thing. And I'm like, it had, it had some pacing issues on their puzzles, like I said, where it just felt like maybe a, a few too many puzzles in this one. Yeah. Like the puzzles in the first one, I would say, were better. Because they weren't every five minutes. I guess I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there was as many too. Like That's I remember what I mean. a couple like, puzzles was... really giving me some issues, like the the the, the when wind you, when and you're the on balls. the ice planet. Yeah, for for Ilium, I think, and you're trying to figure out the light you need to redirect to certain places to melt ice. I was like, what the fuck? Oh yeah, I can't. that one. Oh, that one took me way too long too. Yeah. 
But I mean, fr- like frustrations aside, I think both of these games have such fantastic stories that I fucking love both of them a lot. Uh, the combat, um, I think, is it's not like this. We've talked about it before. Souls-like games are not really something that I play. I can find them very frustrating, even just watching people play them. I think I get frustrated, and if I'm stuck on a like. My biggest issue is is getting to an encounter, getting stuck on a boss, and getting very frustrated on this one specific boss that I can't beat or can't figure out the timing or how to parry or block or dodge or whatever. And that's the part that just drives me insane. And it happened a few times in this game. Um, but for the most part, the combat I really enjoy, even the, even that stuff aside. And I think yeah, I enjoyed the combat a lot more in Survivor. I think, like Mike was saying, I think everything just feels a lot more polished and fluid and and... It's it's a lot more enjoyable to play, I think, in Survivor, even with those frustrations aside. Because right. I know that's a me problem. Like, I know the game is doing it to me on purpose. I know it's just my reaction to what the game is forcing me to do. And so I, I just have to find a way to deal with it, I guess. But everything aside from that was really, really fun. I think uh, Traversal was something else that I feel, think felt much more fluid. Um there's certain portion, portions of the game where they give you like a sidekick character to help you out, which I thought was really fucking cool. Um, that was a nice addition. They give you more lightsaber uh, stances in this game than they did in the first one, which are all really fun to use and, and try out also. Uh, a lot more customization, which I love my customization. Like even being able to customize the look of Cal. Like you're not just stuck in... in like you could change a little bit of his outfits in the first one, but there was a lot more variation to yeah, his customization I, in this game. You could change facial features and yeah, stuff. I, too. I was able to run around with a mohawk. Yeah, I mean, like it's, yeah, it's you can change his hair, his facial hair. Like it's you, that's really it, isn't it? It's just hair and facial hair. Fa- yeah, facial hair, hair. Yeah, because he still has to be Cal underneath it. But that's, right. But that's a nice addition, and I think there was more pieces of clothing this time because you had like a yes. jacket and a shirt and pants. Be- and before it was just like ponchos, like you could change yeah. the ponchos. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, the other point I want to make too the the writing in this game, Survivor specifically, actually had me laughing numerous times, and from different characters that you encounter, certain ways they're written. One of them specifically, when you meet Turgle, if you don't fucking love Turgle, I don't know what's wrong with you. Turgle is the fucking best in this game. I fucking love Turgle. Um, even the the when you you eventually get to like a cantina and there's a robot bartender that I think had a, a very good kind of witty sense of humor for a droid too that I found really entertaining to listen to him talk too. Um, I, I liked the, uh, the 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 cosmetics vendor lady that was in the other building oh, yeah. across from the cantina that is was that just Dorma? this Dorma. Yeah. Like, okay. the, like, like she was this giant, like, she just sounded like a, I don't know, like a yokel from the middle of nowhere, West Virginia, basically, just like, oh, you want that there? Okay. That's, and it's just <laughs> yep. like, yep. what the hell is this? And I'm like, wait, it's there's the Outer a, Rim. This makes sense. There's two characters that are, like, outside the cantina on Kobo, um, and one of them, I think, looks like, um, almost like a, a tall snail. That I think mm-hmm. that that character design was in one of the Star Wars movies, so I don't know what the species is called, but we've definitely seen that type of character before. But it's that guy and a human that are talking to each other, and so you can butt into their conversations and talk to them. And at one point, like, I think they're talking about how they just like, oh crap! I, now I'm starting to second guess if it's these guys or if it's people in the cantina. But either way, there's a conversation that you have with side characters where they talk about how they hated each other. 
But then they find one dude that was like such a loser that they both made fun of him together. And then they bonded over their, their shared hatred or made fun of this other third guy that you don't know who they are. Like stuff like that just builds the world and makes it really fun to just go talk to people. Oh, and the, the fisherman guy that you meet that is his, his name is Scuva Steve. Oh, which yeah. is very basically Scuba Steve. Yeah, which I thought he is great. Like he he was fantastic. There's a so, lot yeah. of side characters that the first game didn't have, like little side yes. quest missions where you're gonna go and meet some random character for five minutes and then they're gone again. The first game didn't have much of that, I or any of yeah. that that I can really remember clearly. Yeah, I have the second not one definitely, it. definitely. Yeah, I haven't replayed it either since I beat it, and I like after playing this. I do kind of want to go back and play Fallen Order again, but what's probably going to happen first is I will probably replay Survivor first before I even try to go back to Fallen Order because I like Survivor that much. Um, but I do think, yeah, Survivor rewards a lot of your exploration more. And if you take the time to talk to some of the side characters, I think you're, you'll be rewarded with just some funny little side bits that really have no bearing on the rest of the story. I mean, some of them will give you side missions. If you talk to certain characters, they will give you a hint of something else to discover in the world, which is helps you in the meantime, but just to have like dialogue and different conversations with these people, I think it's really fun. Yeah. And it it works. You know, this is something again, that you go back to the souls like thing. And this is actually very similar to a mechanic in Dark Souls 2, and I believe it was partially in 3, um, where like these little missions that you do out in the world for these people, and then they come back to your hub. So like the the there is a hub in the game that's maybe not as blatantly a hub as some other things, but there is, yeah. you know, at the cantina, you meet these people in the world, and a lot of them will come back and be permanent fixtures at the cantina. And that's something that they pulled from these Souls-like games, and they made much better use of it, in my opinion, than Souls ever did. Souls was just like, okay, now the vendor's here, instead of being at the part of the world they were in. But that's also 11 years ago when they made Dark Souls 2, so things are getting better. Uh, But yeah, they they, they pulled that, and and it's a really cool thing that they did, and I'm really... I enjoyed that aspect of it. That it wasn't just, oh, do this, and then it's done. It was do this. And then you can go and interact with these people later. And you know, they, they may not have anything more for you to do, but they're still there. Right. Um, <clears throat> I know the, the game had a bit of a rocky launch. Like it was, it was making waves just for some of the stuff that's broken, not working, especially on PC. Um, I don't know how many problems it sort of had on consoles. I think it was hit or miss based on, on people or maybe just instances. Some people were fine. Some people weren't, um, but did you have any technical issues while playing and what, what platform did you play on? I played it on PlayStation uh, five. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it came out for PS4. I don't actually know if they I did don't think last so, but gen I could be this wrong. Time around. Um, but I only really, in, in terms of like technical bugs, I ran into one, my, my whole playthrough that was what I feel like was an actual technical bug. Um, and that was just, I, I was just running along and fell through the map. Like I just <laughs> character was just falling forever. I had to turn the game off and turn it like it, I didn't even die. It just, it, there was no death screen. There was no death barrier. It was just falling into the yeah. nothingness of whatever void is created there. Um, but that I was only like once. Was in- yeah. I so. feel like there was an instance where I think I got stuck in a wall once. Um, I did have a hard crash at one point um, trying to get into, I think it was, 
it might have been leaving one of the planets for the first time and going to another destination. I got on the Mantis, I went to the hollow map, and then it just crashed. Hmm. So luckily, when I came back in, it saved right there, and I could pick up where I left off. But if it was somewhere in the middle of the game doing something and it crashed and I lost a bunch of progress, I'd probably be pissed. But that wasn't too anybody. bad, all things considered. Do you know how many times um, I replayed sections of Elder Scrolls Oblivion because of that? Because the game <laughs> would randomly crash, and it's like, oh yeah, those last two and a half hours are gone. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, I know, I think I was trying to run mine on, I was playing on Series X. Um, I was trying to run mine, I think on performance mode, which was supposed to be doing 60 frames a second, which is hit or miss. Like you could tell the frames dipped when you're in certain areas or doing certain things. So it wasn't hitting what it was supposed to. Um, graphically, I felt like it looked really good, but it wasn't as crisp as I wanted it to do. But that's probably just because of the mode I was on. Like if I go to the, probably the graphic setting, it might make some of the visuals look a little bit crisper and not as, like, sort of hazy. Like, there were certain instances I feel like Cal had some sort of, like, visual haze around him that I mm -hmm. noticed based on some things. But, again, overall, this... I, I, I'm i mentioning the bugs just because they happened, and I know it was making headlines for that. But I also don't want it to distract people. Like, I think these are very minimal things compared to my enjoyment of the game. Like a lot of this stuff does not distract from my enjoyment of the game and what I've had to do to play through it. And so I don't know if you had any, like anything that really hung you up, but I, I like it happened to me, but I was, I'm okay with it. So it, this, well, I guess, yeah, Pokemon was last year, you know, it, it, this game and, um, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, um, to me, are two two games that came out to these, and it shows that like the difference in reception for a game that's good, anyways, will still be good, and that yeah. happened where, you know, that game ran a, a lot worse than this does, and it obviously it's a Pokemon game, so it's not really trying to do as much as this game is graphically, yeah. um, but it was a great game and people forgave it because it was a fun game, and I feel the same way about this. Like, yeah. It could have visually been a lot better, but I feel like this was trying maybe to do too much graphically is why yeah. it had its performance issues. And I, I've seen this cr popping up quite a bit lately where even on PC, you're seeing a lot of new games pop up. Not all new games are doing this. Some companies, I guess, have somebody reining things in and being like, hey, we need this to work on, you know a lot of different hardware for a PC, not just the maximum currently possible. Right. Um, but, you know, this game on PC came out, and I think it was very similar to... Like, its reception on PC was poor because it its requirements were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it, it, there was another game that came under a lot of heat for that because it was like... I'm trying to remember the name of that game, but it's... I mean, Last of Us on PC was real shitty, too. Well, this was actually a, a PlayStation PC exclusive game, and it, I cannot remember the name of it. Okay. Um, but it had the same kind of requirements that this did, where you know they're saying if you want to get, you know, 4K 30 frames a second, you're gonna need a 4080, and it's like I'm gonna need a what to get 30 <laughs> frames a second? Now that's at 4K, and then they're like, but at 1080, you can. You can get 60 frames a second with a 4070. That's our minimum requirement. It's like, that's a minimum requirement for 1080, yeah. 60 frames? And it's it's crazy how high the requirements are becoming. And that's a lot of the reason you're seeing performance issues. Is because I feel like they're kind of shooting for the stars 
with some of these games. Forspoken, by the way, that's the name of the okay. other one. But they're shooting for the stars and what they can produce visually for the games. And, you know, on PC, a lot of people are running not even three, you know, 30 series NVIDIA cards in that generation. A lot of most people are still running before that, Mm. prior to that. And, you know, even a, a 3080 is more powerful by about double than a Series X. And they're saying, no, you need a 4080. And it's like, why do you think the consoles are having performance issues? And why do you think it's poorly optimized for PC? It's because they're trying to make it for the top end. And So I I want to defend a little bit, because I, I this argument is coming up a lot more recently, just because I think games are releasing with a lot of bugs. And I, I try to jump to the defense of developers, and just from their side... And this is the argument I've heard from from them and stuff that I've read online. So, like, PC, it's very difficult for a team of even 100, 150, maybe 200 people on the development side to test a game for every specific iteration that someone might have on their PC. Because PC is so mix and match, it's very difficult to figure out every variation that people have and make sure, sure. the game is going to run. And Except that devs did that for, like, decades before the last five years. Well, I think... <laughs> the, that, that's I think the issue the, I take with them saying I that. think it's more that I, I don't know I guess I always feel like there's there's more or maybe it's just the the way that the PCs upgrade that quickly that it's too difficult to you know their games take so long to be developed that by the time they're working on it now two years later when the game releases all the specs for PCs are going to be so far upgraded that it's like now you got to account for that when you went in development under one way and now two years later you got to try to f- pivot to what's new <clears throat> so I think that can be an issue and I know consoles still have an issue too with some of these games when they launch. And that goes down to, you know, oh, they should have tested this or they should have tested the bugs. It's like, even for, again, for a development team of 100 people, they might have 50 uh, playtesters that are there to test the game, put it through a paces, try to break it so they can find the bugs and fix it before it releases. 50 people are not going to amount to the thousands and hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Right. They're going to get play the game day one and then suddenly find all the stuff that these 50 people missed. I, so, I, I forgive bugs. I'm much more harsh on performance issues because okay. performance issues, a PC, a game runs on a PC in terms of performance, the same. Yeah. It, like it's, it, it's performance is going to be based on the processing power, not based on any NVIDIA specific things versus, AMD or, you know, I mean, like, it's going to be based on what you're engineering the game to function best on. Right. And, you know, I understand the PC market's much bigger than it ever was before. And so that means there's a lot more people wanting games that normally would have had delayed releases on PC in a lot of cases. Right, right. And now they want them day one. And so that, I think, is what's causing more of this and because the average PC gamer does not have a PC built to keep up with Xbox Series X and PS5. The right. average person is, I think they said like a 2070 or a 2060 is like the average or you know middle point if you want to look at what PC gamers are using today. Meaning yeah. half of the people are using stuff less than that. And half are using something better. So they run into 
you know, a lot of PCs that people are using just aren't up to the task. And, you know, when you, like, I want to say they say like a 3070 is roughly the equivalent of the PS5 and Series X. So that's what they're really developing these games for is that range. And then, I don't know, like, it, it just seems like I have gravitated away from buying games on PC like I have a great gaming PC and I've gravitated away from it because of all the bugs and stuff that occur when you buy in on PC these days. Yeah. So it's, it's something that the industry has to work out how to solve like a game that's functional and has bugs. I'm cool with a game that runs at 20 frames a second in say not even 4k, but 2k. Yeah. You've got something that, needs some work somewhere. It's like something needs to be done to fix that. And I think I think PlayStation might have a better handle on it, I think, than the Xbox. I think the Xbox is still trying to, to make games run on, on previous gen stuff. I don't think this one I don't think Jedi Survivor did, but I know they're they're running into that issue with certain places. You know, they are really trying to do the play anywhere stuff where as long as you own an Xbox Yeah. Like an Xbox One or a Series X or S that you can sort of play all the same games. Well for the developer, that's kind of a headache because now you're not you're not making game for one specific hardware setup. Now you have to do it for a lesser gen hardware setup, and that makes the the newer gen stuff, the current stuff, suffer because now you have to sort of cater for the older stuff too. I mean, now, that's that's what happened to Cyberpunk. You know, what I mean, right. like it, it it was made for the current gen, and they were forced by the publisher, or not by the publishers, but by Sony and Microsoft to make it available for PS4 and for Xbox One. And they did, and it ran horribly on them because they didn't make it for that. Yeah. You know, they were told you must release it. And it's like, well, all right, it's going to blow their consoles up, but okay. It's like Sony, I know, has drawn a better line in the sand between PS4 and PS5. So their their games, you can, I think, run a little bit better and you can notice a little bit difference on, on PS5. Xbox One S and X, well, X specifically, is supposed to be the most powerful console on the market right now, but I still have yet to get a lot of games that are running 60 frames a second, which is what's something we were promised for this console we and games coming out. So, that. yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the Xbox One X was when they promised, like back when they upgraded the Xbox One, was they like it can do 60 frames now? Oh yeah, yeah. This was saying you you can do 4K at 60 frames was the thing. Right. 4K at 60 frames, not just 60 frames. It can now do it in 4K. So we still and, haven't really got there. But well, I know Xbox themselves said the first next gen game that they obviously from their publishers that you know I mean that's being made as an Xbox exclusive mm-hmm. that is going to leave the old gen behind and be a hundred percent current gen is going to be the next Forza. And okay. that's coming sometime at the end of summer or fall. They haven't put a date on it yet, but yeah. they have said, well, we'll see showcase is coming up I think, next week or 10 days or something. So and in the, looking forward to that, that by the way, if you're interested, they're also dropping the numbers. This is Forza motorsport. Again, they have the last one was seven, I believe. Oh, right. Yeah. It, yeah. This will technically be the eighth game, but they're, they're dropping the number. So all right. I don't know why, but um, all right, sorry, Anyways, we got sidetracked with video yeah, game shit. So, uh, <laughs> uh, real quick, one other sort of non-spoilery thing. So, the before at the beginning of this game, uh, they do get a 
like for anyone that hasn't played Fallen Order, you do get like a, a catch up cutscene of hey, this is what happened in the first game before you jump into this game. Uh, just from your opinion, Mike, if somebody wanted to jump into Jedi Survivor, would you recommend that they're okay skipping Fallen Order to just do this one, or you think they'd it'd be better if they went back and played Fallen Order? Did you watch that cutscene? Because I skipped it. I so so that that's I, what would matter for me. I didn't watch that to know how well it catches them up. So I I jumped in to try to play it. And I was not streaming at the time. I was trying to tell myself I'm going to stream it. I, I booted up the game just to make sure it was loaded and ready to go. And it started the cutscene. And I said, no, 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 shit, I don't want to see it. And I, st- I shut the game off. And it never when I it. When I went to stream it, I booted up the game. It didn't do that. It, didn't, it skipped the cutscene completely. <laughs> now, I think there's a way from the menu to go back and watch it. And I think I did that at some point, maybe off stream. Uh, I think the cutscene is very well done. And I think it does a pretty good job of summing up that stuff like the the major story beats in the first game okay um however i think i'd still probably recommend someone try fallen order and try to get through it before jedi survivor i think jedi survivor is the better game for sure um but i think you'll appreciate a lot of the improvements more if you will go through and play fallen order first before getting to survivor and i think the story is very good in fallen order that it's worth playing the whole game through so that's my two cents yeah, I mean, in that respect, I would say it depends on what you're playing the game for. If you're playing for the story itself, technically you don't got to play either of these games. You can just watch all the story cutscenes on YouTube That's or true. something. That's true. Um, but uh, the first game, I would say, still has my favorite boss fight. So if you're in it for the combat and you're in it for that kind of thing, um, I think that boss fight is worth playing the game for. Um. That is an optional boss fight in the first one named Terran Malikos. Um, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Worth tracking down. Um, this one... You, I mean, if you're okay with missing the story, other than that fight, the first one, gameplay-wise, I think is far enough behind this that... You know, it's okay to just get the story and hop into this one. I, 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 think I don't know. You're I don't okay. remember what the difficulty ranges were on the first game. If they have like a, a story mode difficulty where it's, it makes the combat a little bit easier just to get you through the story. I don't remember. I don't remember if they had that or not. Um, I'm assuming they probably did, but I mean, this one, they just have like Jedi Knight, Padawan master. And then didn't they have something like above Jedi master for this it was like one? Like a grandmaster or something. I think. Yeah. I don't think they had that in the first one. I don't think grandmaster was there. But I can't remember for sure. Don't quote me on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't remember either. But it might have been something like you had to beat the game on one of the other modes to unlock Grandmaster or something. Which, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they did it. But, um, all right. Uh, I think that's good enough for the for the general stuff. Uh, we're going to get into some spoiler stuff. So uh, if you have not played this game, we're going to dive into story. Uh, for this one, most likely some Fallen Order stuff as well, so if you don't want spoiled any of the story elements for either of those games, pause this now, come back after finishing those games, or watching the YouTube cutscenes or whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, it could take some time, but, you know, don't worry, we're going to be here. We'll, we're, we're not going anywhere. We'll, we'll be paused and ready for you whenever you're ready. So if you'd rather listen anyway, we'll be happy to have you, even though I think seeking out spoilers is, is blasphemous to me, but, you know, you gotta you got to do what you got to do. Either way, uh, spoilers to follow. Wee-oo, Spoiler! Wee-oo, Spoiler! You know, something like that. Uh, all right, so we are into spoiler territory. Uh, the first, first question I feel like I want to start with you, Mike. Rick, the door technician, is that the best Easter egg in this game? <laughs> um, that was a laugh out loud moment for me, and I fucking love the way they set that up. Yeah, that was amazing. 
And the <laughs> fact that, like, I was hoping... So, like, this is something that they may have thrown in for a game that you haven't played as well. Because um, you haven't played Elden Ring. Correct. Uh, so the first boss you run into in Elden Ring is the tutorial boss. And his name is Soldier of Godric. And over okay. time, in the zeitgeist of fandom, if you will, for Elden Ring, he became known as Rick, Soldier of God. Oh. <laughs> um, because he's, he's just like Rick, the door technician, where you just annihilate him like he has no health it's just a oh he's dead um kind of moment yeah um but yes that you were talking about laugh out loud moments that is the one that got me the most because it was it pops up a boss name for rick the door technician in the whole he's boss at the end of this gauge. long hallway and calls you out like i'm the last one left i'm gonna get you and then he starts pacing towards you as the health the enemy boss health bar pops up with the big name. And yeah, you're expecting you're like, like, oh, who's Rick? this? Wait. Who's Rick? <laughs> Rick? And then the first thing I tried to do was like grab him in the force and pull him towards me and it worked. Yeah. And then I and just then stabbed dead. him with the lightsaber and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so anticlimactic that it was funny as hell. Yep. And I I love that they threw it in there just for the hell of it. Just yeah. just as like somebody was like, This'll be funny. People will love this. And they were right, because it was unexpected. They didn't do anything else like that in the entire game, and it was yeah. just like, oh, hell. I was watching um, uh, Greg Miller and Barrett from Kind of Funny uh, on YouTube watching their spoiler cast review, and they were talking about Respawn for the embargo, specifically said, like in the NDA or whatever they were talking about, do not mention Rick the door technician at all. Like, don't yeah. fucking talk about him at all. That's one thing we want to keep saved for the game. So uh, yeah, that that was something that was I think a very good kept secret, and I had I had no idea that was gonna happen. I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. And like I said, like throwing it for Elden Ring, naming him Rick was just amazing. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So for the for the story, what did you think of the story? Um, I feel like it. You know, like I, I'm a little bit in both ways on the story. Um, in so much that I love the characters. Um, Grease is one of Grease is fucking awesome. I love Grease. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, like to me, he's like a better Babu Frick. Like he's just, <laughs> you know, it, I don't know. It, it, I, I love him. Um, I felt like actually Marin was the one that fell flat for me this time around. I feel like in the first game she had much more motivation and stuff going on that like made her more interesting the first time around. This time it was I don't know she was too sidekicky for me. Yeah, you don't get a lot of as, like, maybe as much backstory or or fill in time with her. And I know there's like a tie in novel that takes place between these two games, which I did not read. Right. So it might set up a little bit more of where these characters are at and what they're going through by the time you get to this game, but. So there's there's more lore out there, I guess, for anyone that's interested. Right. And and that's something that like this game actually has inspired me to go and finally get on reading the High Republic novels. I was gonna ask if that this um, was since this had High Republic elements to it, if this was enough to push you over the edge. Well, like I've had the book sitting there and I read the first chapter <clears throat> a long time ago, and it just like I it, there wasn't a hook in that first chapter for me that got me really geared to read it. Yeah. Um but you know, this game has done that because it made the, it, it put 
some kind of conflict toward the High Republic, which was something that was, I think, missing in my consideration of that era, because it's, mm. you know, this golden age of the Republic, supposedly, where everything's bright and shiny, and there's not really a whole lot of conflict. Yeah. And, you know, there's cutscenes here that show... I don't... They don't really name the foes that attack... Um, that, that are shown attack... I guess they're on Kobo at the time, or was that on Tantalor? Tantalor. They were on Tantalor. They were on Tantalor? Okay, so they don't really show or name or talk about who they were. Yeah. But that moment alone, I'm like, oh shit, now I gotta read. I gotta find out. Like, I'm hoping there's something in those novels that I can be like, oh, that's who that is. Oh shit. Now I'm kind of hooked more because there's more there, there's an actual hook to what's going on and i was curious too if the characters that we encounter in this game are going to be in the novels or if they're created for the game that's what i wasn't sure either oh, which like, i didn't want to look up but like Cree, like it'd be like or yeah. is that her name yeah so, so, so centauri right centauri Cree. yeah and and dagon or dagon uh gara yeah yeah Dag- he was the, he dagon was the gara guy. yeah I I don't know. I haven't read enough of the book to tell you that for sure yet. And there is like three, I think, in that High Republic series. And then there's other, so I you're guess, doing, tie-ins. You're doing Light of the Je- Jedi, right? That was the book you have? The first in the the first one they released on the High Republic series. Okay. So I was looking at books to get for that, too, because I actually bought a High Republic book myself. I bought one called Convergence, because when I looked at the book in the bookstore, they have like the old, like the the... The EU did this too, and the the old like Legends canon for Star Wars books. You would open the fir- first couple pages, and there would be a timeline of where the books happen in chronological order. Convergence came out after Light of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi was the first High Republic book, but it's a prequel book and takes place before the Light of the Jedi. So that was the first one I got to try to read chronologically, at least as far as the timeline that I saw. Okay. So I think as of right now, unless they release some more books or, or where else they fall, the, the timeline I saw, there was two books, I think, that take place before Light of the Jedi. Whether or not they're the same characters, they might be different characters, um, but they chronologically take place a little bit before that. So I did start with that one. I haven't started it yet, but... Okay. Well, we can each con- read our Convergence books in was the one. different yeah. orders and swap, and there you go. Yeah. Cause yeah, cause I think I've, I've been curious about that era and the fact that we got some, some high Republic stuff in this game, I think just piqued my interest a little bit more just to see kind of what it was like back then and what, what they were trying to do and what the Jedi were going through. I think that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, um and I think like you said, with these characters, I think it's just fun to revisit and Cal, I think is a really good character. Like you said, Grease is awesome. Mayor and I would agree didn't really get as much to do or or time to shine as I would like. She had some really fucking awesome moments in the story in the game, but nothing was like character building wise. Yeah, like there you was can, you cool can tell she's moments. grown as a character, but it's just like I'd like to know a little bit more there. Yeah, and it, my guess is they're probably trying to sell that book you said took place in between, or maybe her own book at some point that they're going to try to release to be like. Which yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Where the hell did all these powers she has now come from? You know, like, she's doing a lot of stuff here that's like, what the heck? Like, I know, you know, the um, the Night Sisters have some cool abilities and stuff, but some of the stuff she's doing, I n- never saw Night Sisters pull off before, if I can recall. Yeah, I mean, they can they can play around a little bit more with that, that side of the force since it's just more or less magic. Like, they just do a lot of magic shit. So right. it's just, they can sort of bend the rules a little bit more, which... 
there's a there's a sequence in the game where I think it's on Jetta when with the big drill. Yeah, where you're and just and she like starts teleporting you around everywhere. I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, you're just <laughs> Superman flying through tell like it's like fly through her thing, and then you would like platform a little bit and get to the next portal and go that. Yeah. And it's like that was really cool, but it's also like, where the fuck did this come from? How does yeah. she do this? Like, I loved every second, and I just didn't stop to think about, like, she's fucking teleporting me places. What the fuck is happening? But, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. And speaking of, I, there was something we wanted to mention that we didn't talk about that was a really aggravating thing that would happen in the game. Um, that I think we were talking about the same thing, where you'd come up to a door, and it says, this door is locked. Every door, Cal's opening with the force. He's just waving his hand and <laughs> opening the door. You can't open this door from this side. Why the fuck not? It's the f- You get to the door from the other side, and he just forces it up. It's like, oh, okay, that only works from the left side of the door this time. Okay, cool, that makes yeah, sense. you have to unlock that shortcut. Yeah, like uh, It actually wasn't what I was talking about. So, maybe kind of similar in the fact that uh, I would encounter things in the world that I thought I could interact with, and it would glow red. Oh. And I was like, oh, this must mean I need to have like dark side powers to, to move or interact with this thing. No, it just means I don't have the ability or the force power yet to do it. So it's red telling me I can't do anything with it yet. So I was... Halfway through the game, I'm speculating Cal's going to go dark. Like, we're going to get dark side, <laughs> like force lightning and shit, and... and we're going to be doing all this other... And I'm not completely wrong. Like, he starts leaning that way, but it didn't lean as hard as I thought the game was telling me it was going to. Everything that was kind of tinted red, whether it was a rock or a door or... It was just a interactable red light. object. It was a stoplight. It was... I didn't have the force ability to lift things up in the ground and throw them back down. That was it. There would be, like, rocks on the ground where it looked like I could interact with, but it's not glowing blue. It's glowing red. And my mind went, oh, I need to have dark side abilities because dark side is associated with red. But the game's telling me, no, you just don't have the right force ability to interact with this object yet. And you have to come back here and play with it later. So, but in my mind, I was going like full blown. He's going to be a dark side Jedi by the end of this. And we're going to have this full dark side ending and all this kind of crap. So I, I extrapolated way more than what the game did, but, <laughs> uh, you let your yeah, mind was, run wild a little bit. It's right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what did you think of, uh, the, the, I guess we'll start with Dagon. what did you think of Dagon for this game? Cause the game builds him up as the villain and by the last quarter, he's really not. There's some other shit that goes on. Um, weak. Okay. I, 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 as a villain, man, what were his motivations? Oh, I still don't understand this character's turn to the dark side. And like, (laughs) was he just a petulant child that was like, mom said something to me one time that aggravated me. So I'm going to kill people. Like, I don't, it wasn't that literally guys. I'm just saying (laughs) it was, it made no sense to me. It made no sense. Like it was like, Oh, I don't know. Like he, I mean, I think there's there's hints that he's like this brash Jedi and and almost wants to fight for a lot of that stuff. And then when it comes down to going after something that he wants and no one supports him with it, which is, you know, he wants to go to Tantalor, find the safe haven for the Jedi, start a temple. And then when it comes time to set up the place and they get attacked, no one defends him or helps him save the place. They just abandon it and let it fall to the hands of the bad guys, whoever that is that invades. And I think he's pissed off enough that he thinks the, the, the this is my interpretation. Maybe 
that he thinks the Jedi betrayed him and starts to get pissed off to try to get back there and find a way back to, I don't know, reclaim that stuff or take an army back there to try to fight whoever's there and nobody else really wants to do it. And then they have to stop him because he's like fighting back on on the other Jedi and stuff and that's when he loses his arm and all that shit and they put him in freeze and I think that's about the gist that I can tell. I, it, again, I feel like they didn't know what to do for a villain in this game. You know what I mean? Because like... Well, really, he's the red herring, right? He's supposed to distract you and not not you're not supposed to focus on the actual person that's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, there's that, but I also like they needed a bad guy face. They needed a Sith, which even the one yeah. that we get is not actually doesn't look like a Sith. You know what no. I mean? Bode does doesn't. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I did, I did not like Dagon very much as a villain. The force arm and dual wielding another lightsaber with a force arm. Cool, complete bullshit. That pissed me <laughs> off at the same time. Very fucking cool looking. Get get out of here with that. Like I liked in his, his first couple of fights too, before he has like the force projection arm when he just has the stump. Yeah. And he he shoves the stump your way to like force push you, but he doesn't have the arm. So he's just sh- throwing his shoulder at you and the force is hitting you like a like a punch. Right. Which I thought was a really cool fucking just move that came out of that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think the fights, like, in the game, the fights with Dagon were good. Yeah. I, just as a story character, yeah, yeah, I was not okay. a fan. And maybe I gotta read more of that, because I don't read a lot of the databank entries when you get them, so maybe I should just go back and try to see what the write-up is for, I do for Dagon, if it lists a little bit more of his motivations and it's kind of what happened there. Yeah, it probably could. Um, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I like, I liked the other sub villain better. Um, is that Ra- Ravis? Ravis. Yeah. I, I, Ravis I liked, um, which I think he reminded, and correct me if I'm wrong. Do you remember watching the, the Gendy Tartakovsky, uh, Clone Wars animated, the, the 2d Clone Wars animated show that was out way back when? Oh yeah. 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 That, that thing. Do you remember that, that one, like, uh, other villain that they had him, they had them fight. That was, I think his name was Dirge. He had like the the armor on, and I think he had like, because I feel like he, he's the same species as Ravis, if I'm remembering correctly. Because Ravis loses an appendage, and then he like has tentacle arms that come out and like reattach it. And I'm pretty sure Dirge was the same way. So that would be a very cool Easter egg, I think, if they called back to that animated series for that species and brought him into this game as someone similar. Because Dirge, I don't think was. They are the same species. Okay. They are they are a species known as Gendai. G oh, E N apostrophe D A I. Wonder if it's kind of a nod to Gendi, since he put that species in the in the cartoon. Yeah, they 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 probably because I think the armor set and stuff, and I didn't realize it with Ravis with all of Ravis's armor, but it wasn't until he lost the appendage and put it back together that I was like, oh shit, that's like. That is like Dirge. Yeah. So, okay, that's pretty cool then. Also, I, I like that. Worthy of note, Dirge also uh, has turned up in comics. In Dr. Aphra and some Bounty Hunters comics as well. Oh, okay. So he is part of the, the main canon then. Because I remember him in like older Legends stuff. But I don't remember if he actually made the way into the the, the new stuff. So that's cool. Because yeah. Aphra is part of, part of the new canon. 
She yes. should be in there. Yeah, Afra, uh, Doctor Afra, number ten and eleven. You you can see Dirge, and then it says Bounty Hunters thirty five, thirty six, and thirty seven. Okay. Um, cool. So th- yeah, that that's actually really neat to see uh, that popping up. But yeah, I thought Ravis was cool. I thought the voice actor for Ravis was really good too. I like I really liked his voice. Yeah, I honestly like. I really wanted Ravis to be the main villain. Um, I wanted there to be some further plot of him being, you know, what I mean, like a hidden Sith or something. Like he's, oh yeah, you know, what I mean, like it's actually him controlling Dagon or something, yeah. corrupting him. Yeah, that would have been cool. But all the same, the, the fight with Ravis also is probably my favorite in the game this time around. Okay. Okay. Probably. Um, but yeah, they, I, I, all around, not horrible in terms of villains. Video games have done much worse. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the first game did better with its, okay. um, Trilla, I think was, yeah, yeah. A much more interesting and engaging enemy to deal with. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to Bode. So, so Bode, Bode's betrayal. Did you see that coming? Was that a surprise to you? No, I didn't see it coming. Um, but like, I, I, I kind of had the feeling somebody was going to turn and I, I had no idea who it was going to be, but then it obviously it just made sense for it to be Bode. But yeah. part of me thought like Seer w- w- was going to have snaps or something. I don't know. Like her, her appearance changed so dramatically between the two games that it was like, Oh, maybe there's something going on there. It wouldn't make sense, but maybe there's something that's behind the scenes and we're going to get like a revelatory cut scene or something. Yeah. But I I didn't really suspect boat. I figured he was going to be the one that died. Like, I feel like I thought they were trying to build up a friendship with boat for you so that he was a sacrifice at some point. As opposed right. to, he does end up dead, of course, but in a different way. Like, I thought he was going to sacrifice himself to save his daughter and, like, leave his daughter in your care. And she was going to be Force-sensitive for your new Jedi, whatever, on Tantalor. Right, right, right. Which still might be the case in some respect. Yeah, I fully but, expect her to be Force-sensitive whenever she gets a little bit older, too. Right. So... Yeah, to me, it's hard It's hard to say anything bad about Bode. It, it worked, because you didn't see it coming. And I I didn't find any plot holes with Bode that made me go like, ah, oh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I feel like they kept him ambiguous enough throughout the rest of his story and kept it, you know, he was focused on talking about his daughter. He didn't really talk about what else he did. Right. And so, like, a lot. So... Yeah, I didn't see. I, it surprised me. I I could tell when they got back to Kobo and everybody's kind of celebrating. Oh, job well done! I'm like, I really thought the game should have been over at that point. I'm like, why are we still going? And everything seems too happy. Something's going to go wrong. I didn't know what that something was going to be. And you know, looking back, the way Bode just keeps talking about, well, not t- sort of arguing with Cal about what to do when going to Tantalor. Like he really didn't. You could tell he didn't want the the whole hidden path to go there. He really just wanted a safe haven for him and his daughter, which you can understand based on what the other stuff happened throughout the game and how he's talked about doing all this for his daughter and trying to keep her safe and all that stuff. That made sense. But I guess I always just kind of thought, oh, they're going to work it out or they're going to find a nice compromise by the end of this game. I didn't expect him to be that 
hell bent on I'm getting this for me and my daughter and fuck everybody else. And then he shoots Cordova. You chase him down. You have the fight on top of the, the whatever that is monolith or whatever that's in the, in the desert in Jeddah. Mm-hmm. And when he force pushes you, I was like, Oh shit. Like I didn't yeah. see that coming at all. Yeah, that part when he when he turned, it was like, oh man, now we gotta kill Bode. Like it's right because like, you're immediately like he's just a mercenary guy. Cal could rip this guy apart, and then you get a force pushback, and you're like, oh no, okay, this is much more difficult than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering at that point until he does that, like, what's the hook going to be? Yeah, because they didn't really lead you to believe he had force powers at any point. You know, I mean, no. he, he motors around on a jetpack and does all this and that. But he doesn't really do anything to make you think that. So yeah, that that to me was a really cool moment. And they never really answer the question. Cal starts to say it in the Mantis afterwards. Is like, he was with us. How didn't I sense it? And then Grease kind of cuts him off and says, don't think about that. So it's never really explained how Bode could be force sensitive and be right next to Cal for numerous encounters and Cal doesn't pick it up. And really, I guess... If you want to read between the lines, you can kind of spin it where where Bode talks about the Jedi had intelligence agents they sent throughout the galaxy to try to gather intel. So if he's basically a spy, you would think maybe he's been trained enough to hide Force-sensitive abilities to infiltrate different places. And maybe he just got that good at it that he can be right next to Jedi and hide in plain sight. Well, my, like my I can extrapolate that and kind of make that make sense. My, my impression was he was also hiding it from the Empire. Oh, yeah. He was hiding his force sensitivity from everyone. Well, okay, so that might not be true because according to his backstory, what he explains to Cal, right, is that the Empire is hunting Jedi. They tracked him down, but he wasn't at the house, and that's when his wife died. So I think they know he's force sensitive, wouldn't they? Did he say that they were hunting him? or They said they were, they were looking for him. Now, I assume that's because he's Force-sensitive and they're hunting down Force-sensitive people. Or was it because he was a spy? I, I again, I, I could be wrong. I'm I'd, I'd have to look it at it if it, it wasn't explicitly said as, as him being Force-sensitive. Like, I took it as the Empire does a lot of bad shit. And he wound up as part of that and they didn't know. Okay. But yeah, I th- see, I, I'd have I to, think like... They... See, Look I'm seeing it, it a again. different way. I think they know who he is and what he's capable of, and that's why they more or less blackmailed him or recruited him. Like, you know, because he sort of says, like, I, I was running for a while from them, and then I realized I couldn't run anymore and just cut a deal. So he's working for them just to keep his daughter safe. Right. Yeah, I got that part. I just didn't understand. I guess, like, if that's the case, I the part I don't understand is the Red Saber and... So the red saber isn't his. He took Dagon's saber. I must have missed that. Yeah, I think he stays behind when they need to dispose of Dagon's body, and he takes the the saber after Cal leaves. Uh, okay, that's why it's already red because it's not his. It was it was Dagon's. So he doesn't actually turn to the dark side. He's just covering no. his own ass. He just has a weapon that he needs because he knows he's going to have to do something to to stop Cal later. Okay. And then it and, makes more sense. Then what you said makes more, like all of it makes more sense. See, I thought he had a red, like I missed the part where he took Dagon's saber. I didn't realize it was the same. 
And I think I missed that too. That was, again, I think I got that detail from watching kind of funny's uh, spoiler cast where they kind of brought that up and I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. That does make more sense. Um, but, and, and I don't know how much you've, you've replayed since you've uh, beat it. But one thing I started noticing when I was going back through places where I've already explored and thought I got everything after you beat the game, there are echoes that are left behind specifically from Bode that Cal oh. can find. So you can go to an area where you were with Bode and you hear, you catch an echo and it's him like scheming or trying to, to figure out how his plan is going to work. And you see him kind of struggle a little bit, but like, um, I don't remember if there was one for the saber, if I saw that or not, but like, there's one moment where I can, I grabbed an echo where it was like, it might've been in, in Jetta in the, the, temp the base that they had with seer and stuff and it's bode talking to himself like i got it i know how to turn cal and how to get to him it's like it's love him and mara have a thing here and i can exploit that Mm -hmm. and that's the that's the hook he tries to get to maybe even distract cal somewhere down the line or or push him to try to keep not only just the hidden path not the hidden path safe but keep people close to him safe he's trying to push towards like Cal and Mirren, like, this is what you need to save, not everybody else, just her. So it's really cool to find those things. And I don't know how many are scattered around, but I've I've kind of stumbled across some just from replaying other areas. So I think that's been cool just as a backstory part of it to fill in some of the gaps of stuff you may have missed the last time or stuff that Bode was doing behind the scenes that you didn't know about at the time. Yeah, that I honestly, I had no idea that that was there in like a New Game Plus version. So... I, I That's not even New Game Plus. All. I'm just replaying some of the areas, like trying to go back and get collectibles and stuff that I missed the first time. Oh, okay. And so, I'm finding them. So new stuff is there to go check out. Yeah. Okay. See, now that's that's a cool thing to put in. I wish they would have said and like directed you to do that, to like go back and look for them. Yeah. Um, And then I think, you know, with the, the fight on the, the mountaintop thing with him and Bode, like... The the whole part where, like, you start to fight him, you're thrown off the ledge, and then Cal smacks his head and gets knocked out, and then you just get a respawn cutscene. And I was like, did Cal die? Like, what what is happening here? I, I thought it was, like, making me restart the level, and then you respawn, and then you come back as Seer. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, maybe Cal did die. What the hell just happened? And that whole sequence is probably one of the most memorable things in this game for me is playing as seer defending the temple and eventually running into fucking Darth Vader. (laughs) Yes. And I guess that was awesome because they made her way more powerful than they ever implied that she was. Um, Mm -hmm. Like she is so much stronger than Cal while you're trying to go and fight everything. Like, just the normal soldiers that you fight along the way before you get to the Vader fight. It is significantly noticeable that you're like, she's hitting a lot harder than he was. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Holy shit. Okay. And then you get to Vader. I will take all the issue in the world with her standing up to basically a draw with Vader. I mean, not really a draw, but she nearly kills him. Yeah. And I, I I will take some issue with that. Just because they never implied she was at that level. Like, they, like I never got the impression that Seer was this 
super powerful Jedi. Like, it, like she always seemed like a knowledgeable person. Right. But well, I guess you know on the power as, level as as, to stand up to Vader is pretty significant. As soon as you get to that point in the game when like she she is in that archive and he comes through the door, you're just like, all right, well she's dead. Oh yeah, no, we you know Vader lives. She's right. not going to survive. It's just a matter of how and how how they're going to frame the fight. So I understand like they got to sort of give her like a pretty good last stand, which I was all for. Like I think that whole sequence was fucking great. I would have um, been more for. I guess, like, I, I love the sequence, too. I Like, the whole scene, the the arena you fight Vader in being, oh, like, yeah. the burning archives. And, like, that was amazing. Yeah. I guess, it, like, my issue is I would have... I'm trying to think of, like, I feel like the way the first game handled Vader was the right way. Your option is stay and die or run. Right. And they didn't even give you the option to fight him. It was run. Well, at this point, to your to your point, you're not Cal this time. Like no, the first game you are Cal in that scenario, so Cal has no chance to fight. Like he just has to run. Right, and but she would have been you a talk Jedi about Seer Knight. being beefed up at this point of the game. That gives you a little bit more of a fighting chance against Vader, I guess. Right, I just feel like she was a little bit too successful. Was all I would say. Like it was, yeah. maybe let her have a good last stand. But it, this is still Vader we're talking about. This isn't. I mean, if it was, you know, Dag and Gera, say, right. that, that that fight occurred with and that she maybe even beats him or fights him to dying at the end and that makes him more of a villain, I'd be more willing to buy that. But Vader? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, th- 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 this is supposed to take place, you said, like, 10 years now? Was that what you said? I, like, think, this it's, is... I think it's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah, you're, you're talking 10 years after... Vader wipes out the Jedi and it, it it's just storming through them. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. They, they, like, I would probably even say that this could be argued to be the point where Vader's at the height of his power as a Sith. Like, yeah, I totally agree. The the height of the Empire would also be the height of his power because, obviously, by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, he's not what he once was. There, yeah, I guess it, uh, to make the fights dramatic, because I feel like Vader it, at this point has other fights similar to, like even the fight with, you know, you want to compare to like the Obi Wan series, like but she's not they Obi-Wan. end up, right? But I, you know, <laughs> we're at the point where like every fight Vader has, you can't kill him because you know you have to, he has to be alive. But you yeah. want to make it interesting for whoever's playing or watching or whatever it is, so you almost get him on the back foot and like you you have a little bit of that dramatic sense, like is he going to get knocked down and get back up, and but ultimately he has to come out on top. So they, you know, I get the give and take of the dramatic side of it and you want to keep it close, but Vader still has to be the one to win. I don't know. I guess I was, I was less, uh, unhappy with it. I, I did like that part in the way they did it. It's not that I don't like it. I just feel like it just doesn't fit. That's all. I, I love yeah. what they did. I like how they gave her that last stand. I love it. What it meant for her character and everything. And I like what they did. I just feel like, Boy, that that makes me question other things. That okay, you know what I mean. Like it when it was Ahsoka that probably shouldn't have been able to stand up to him at the time that she did. It's also that's his Padawan. Yeah. You know, there's still part of Anakin in there that knows her and loves her. So I can understand it. 
when it's some random Jedi that he encounters along his path, I would expect it to be more of a slaughter, if you would. I, I Not that yeah. I'm sitting here like, boy, I want to see a slaughter. It's just... Well, I think there's part of it, I think, not to, to make it that, I guess, Seer stood a better chance or whatever, but I think there's there's another echo in Jedha, one that I remember specifically, where you pick it up and it's Bode basically sending a message to the Empire, like, hey, Seer Junda is here. Tell Lord Vader she's here and they're going to go if he doesn't show up quickly. So... Okay. He's he's summoning her, and it could be to the point where, like, Vader's just sick of sending Inquisitors out there to die. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to take care of this. And it's, one, because he must know, or maybe it's other echoes that maybe I didn't find. But at some point, Vader must know that Seer is in charge of the Hidden Path and trying to get right. this for Jedi. And she's gathering information in the archives and all that stuff. So he, it's twofold. He wants to destroy any remnants of the Jedi that are in that place. And two, Seer is the biggest threat that he can see. He doesn't give two shits about Cal right now. No, no, yeah. Cal is not a threat to him. Yeah. So he, as far as he's concerned, he's succeeded in his mission. Seer's dead. The archives are gone. They're burning. They're dead. And he's succeeded. And he might have got the crap kicked out of him a little bit more than we wanted him to, but he's successful. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else for that. I just thought it was it was just such a cool fucking moment, and it's one that's gonna stick with me for a while. I that, agree. That special part of that specific part of the game. It, it it it's honestly it's a set piece moment for the game. Oh yeah. So it, that's a big part of why it works. Which is something I feel like the fights with Dagon were really missing. Was like, I mean, there were some of his I think that were pretty cool. Like the one um, on top, the thing, the final. Yeah, Dagen. the third fight like, where he like flips the room and you're on the ceiling. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Right. I just meant the environment itself was boring. Like him, like the the fight was cool as shit when he flips the room upside down. That yeah. was cool. I just mean like it was really kind of a plain boring room. Just a you know just a round room that. Yeah, I can know. see that. Yeah. Um, I guess just well, sort of spinning into like the with the Vader stuff. Any any favorite other favorite moments that we didn't talk about that happened during the game for you? Uh, the Rancor, which you told me about, that was oh, just that fucking Rancor. Goddamn, that was that, was, a, just... was that a bitch for you? Because that was one of the hardest fights I've had in this game. Yeah, I think that's just me playing a lot of Dark Souls games and dealing okay. with large beast type bosses where. I'm sure the lightsaber battles for you get cons- more consistent where you understand when you're supposed to do what. Because, you know, the, like it's it, it's simpler to understand that in this game. Like, I should parry when it's coming at me. Um, there, so, most of the human bosses that I fought, I was okay with. And I could, I may have, like, Dagon, I feel like I beat him every encounter of the first try. Which was surprising same. to me. Dagon but, was not hard. Yeah, the, the Rancor and some of the other fucking big beasts and creatures that are in the world. That is what gave me the most frustrating part some of those encounters. There was the Rancor and there was another one at um, the droid camp um, on Kobo where you're on a platform, you're up top. They put a collectible right in, right in the middle of this little, <laughs> this, this drop thing like Jabba's palace kind of, kind of drop floor. And I go to get it. And then the, the floor comes out. I drop into a pit and there's one of those uh, beasts from the first game that has the tongue that, that comes out and grabs you. 
Yeah. That thing fucking, I had to walk away from that one and come back to it because it, I couldn't fucking beat him. But those are the two that stick out to me as like having the most problems for me with my fighting. The Rancor and that fucking thing. I died so many times. So, um, one, one thing I'll tell you, when you're fighting beast bosses in any Souls-like game, there is a very simple formula that basically always works. Um, not as well in this game for all of the large beasts, but it works fairly well. And the answer is, get under its legs and poke it in the ass. <laughs> that sounds horrible. It sounds, but it's literally just fight its ass. Don't fight its front. If you want to just make the fight easier. Like, I understand when you're fighting a Rancor, it was hard for me to just fall to that strategy because it's like, oh, this is awesome. And you want to stay in front of it because it's a Rancor and you want to look at it and it's cool. But if you just hop up underneath it and swing away at the, you know what I mean? It, the back end of it, usually the AI is not good enough on these things. They just don't keep up. Yeah, I think I couldn't I couldn't figure out the pattern. And it was like I would jump down to the Rancor and I could block some of the swipes he was doing. But it was every time he went to like do the one hit kill lunge and grab thing. Yeah. Is that I would I would misjudge the timing every fucking time. And it either <laughs> felt like he was winding up too slow. So I would jump too early. And by the time I'm coming down to my jump, he'd grab me. Or I wouldn't jump, or I think it's going to go slow, and I jump late, and then he'd grab me as I'm leaving the ground, and it it literally happened four or five times in a row. I would just jump in the pit, he'd grab me, I'd die, and then I'd be like, motherfucker, and then I'd have to go back and do it again, and the same thing would happen, and I'd get so pissed off. So that's something they started doing a lot with the Souls-type bosses, um, where they have like the delayed wind-ups. Okay. Where it's like sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's medium, and they're going to show you, show you, show you, and then it's quick, or they're going to show you, show, and you think it's here, but it's not, and they're going to keep going yeah. back. And then they did that so that bosses would have replayability on difficulty where maybe they're less predictable than yeah. the same swing every time where it's like every time it does this, I just do this and punish it. So... It's annoying, and the delayed wind-ups suck, um, but th there is a purpose to them. I'm, I'm still on the fence of whether I actually like things like that or not <laughs> in games, but there is a purpose to it, and it is replayability, which is a good thing. Yeah. But the frustration factor it creates is also annoying as hell. Um, that one specifically, though, like the grab-you-and-one-hit-kill thing, it just made me think um, about Galaxy of Heroes. Did you, did you ever play the Rancor raid in Galaxy yeah. of Heroes where, yeah. like, you take your team in and it just has a random one-shot pick your guy up and eat him that it uses to wipe out your squad over time? It has, like, a short recharge. It just reminded me of that where it's just like, ha, you're dead. It's yeah, like, I kind of forgot about that, actually. Uh, it, kind of annoying, but also it's a Rancor. That's what they do. They Right, you know, yeah. Like, they don't have a whole lot in their arsenal. <laughs> they have claws and a mouth. That's, you know. Um, any other favorite moments? I'm trying to think, you know, like I, I would say again, for me, it's going to come back to Grease and Grease managing to, uh, un unleash himself as a pilot a bit toward the end when uh, you're going yeah, through the abyss. Great. Yeah. I love that one for his character too. It was just fun when he starts yeah. having, when Grease starts having fun, I'm having fun. So <laughs> it's, you know, it was good. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of the stuff I think we already talked about, like, uh, 
Mirren flying Cal around the drill, I thought was fucking cool. Bode's yeah. betrayal was another favorite moment for mine, just because I didn't, it blindsided me. Like, really, I did not see it coming. And especially the Force abilities, that was like, what the fuck? Um, Seer versus Vader, I think, was a big thing for me. Uh, the last fight with Dagon, like we mentioned, fighting on the ceiling, I thought was memorable. Um, the the other moment that I think stuck out to me that I, I thought was really cool, because I've never really seen it in anything before, was when Dagon unfreezes, has a conversation with Cal, and in the process, takes his lightsaber part and bleeds the crystal. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's in Star Wars lore, that this is how lightsaber crystals turn red, is there's a dark side ability that you use on the crystal, and you basically hurt the crystal enough that it quote-unquote bleeds and turns red. Now, I've read about it, I've heard about it, I've never seen it. So to see it somewhere actually happen sort of in real time like that, I thought was really fucking cool. I agree. Um, Actually, one thing for Bo that I sort of want to go back to, uh, did you have any inkling or expectation to think that he might actually be redeemed at the end or somehow saved? Did you think he was going to die? I thought he was going to die, but I didn't think he needed redeemed. I think what he was doing was entirely understandable. And I mean, he's, he's doing what he thinks is best for his daughter, which is something that any person on this planet will forgive. It's like, you're not just killing people to kill people. It's I'm trying to save my daughter from the empire. I'm not trying to help the empire. I'm trying to save my daughter from the empire by working for the empire. Like it's, I remember I was I was streaming that part and I think I think uh Jason Ian's friend was actually there watching me at that point and he just kept saying Bode fucking sucks. I hope he dies. Like just flat out he is ready for this guy to be murdered. Like <laughs> I was like the game's kind of setting it up where like they're really trying to not kill him, so I wasn't sure if they were actually going to go to that point. I mean um, I I thematically I could have seen him turn on the empire and decide to side with you against them. And right. I would have been fine with that as a turn as well, like yeah. after the fight. But at that point, I think he's he's gone a little bit too far with murdering other people that it's like, I don't know if he like I I would have been more surprised if they did sort of bring him back and keep him alive for something else later. I I kind of had the expectation, the expect, expectation that he was going to go. Bo, um, Bode is Snoke. <laughs> uh, but, even you know, even with with Cal and and sort of the revenge element that Cal starts to go through and starts leaning towards the dark side a little bit. You get a little bit more of those abilities. And the fact that he just like double taps him when he's on the ground like that at the end, I was like, oh shit, like he is he is not happy <laughs> with Bode. I mean, understandably, you know, oh, I yeah. mean, like it, 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 I get why Cal's so upset. Um, it, it like, like I said, it, to me, if it was for any other reason but to protect your child, you know, then it's like, okay, this guy's a, a piece of shit, but he is, I don't know, to me, Bode was genuinely doing what he thought he had to do for his child. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I think, I, uh, yeah, I, I get it, I understand. I think I, I would just, again, wasn't sure if they'd actually, quote, sort of pull the trigger on that and, and do it or not. And I'm curious to see what happens, because I feel like they're laying breadcrumbs for Cal and just sort of like, the struggle that he's going through and how that's going to affect him going forward. So I'm curious if the, if the third game, like, you so, know, like I said, I was expecting him to go a little bit harder into the dark side. If that, if they do a third game, if you start to go a little bit more down that path or where that story kind of takes him, or if he kind of brings himself back, but I feel like they're putting breadcrumbs in there that he's going to go a little bit deeper before maybe coming backwards. So Cal is Snoke. That's maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. That, that, that's what we're getting to. Cal is Snoke. <laughs> 
he's going to meet the emperor. The emperor made Snoke, you know. So we, we it, you know, he's going to make Cal into Snoke. <laughs> Calling it now. Calling it now. I will bet On you record. $0 that that is the case. <laughs> Um, as far as the game, have you done any of the collectible side missions? Are you still going through that stuff or like, no, I don't like hunting percenting the game or anything like that? No, I, I don't. I doubt that I'll play it again until maybe the third game comes out. If the third is billed as like the end of that trilogy for Cal, I'll okay. probably replay the first two again. Yeah. Um, but collectibles, I don't really do much of anymore. Like sometimes okay. it depends on the collectibles in games. If there's like a a catch to them, like a, a game to it, then I find myself more engaged. Whereas this feels like it's just go get it. Like just a fetch thing. Just go here, get the collectible, go there, get the collectible. And there's not a whole lot of like, did you find the, um, like the hollow table thing, the combat scenarios that they have at the, at the bar? I found the ones you find in the wild. Like, a, like where you come across an so echo and you have a fight. No. So there's, uh, there's some characters that you find and I, it's a, it's a duo that you find somewhere and they come back to the, to Grease's place and upstairs next to the fish tank, they, they go in a little back room somewhere. And I think you have to meet some other characters along the way too, but it's like a, a, a combat scenario, hollow board where hmm. you play a game and it's like, you have to pick almost like, um, like a totally accurate battle simulator type of thing where you pick like enemies based on points you have, Okay. You go up against another opponent with, that picks other enemies, and you see who survives, and you play a couple waves. So you get a couple collectibles that way, based on who you're playing. But every enemy that BD scans is added to your roster of stuff that you're able to throw in the table. Oh, okay. I was scanning all of the enemies when BD yeah. was able to do that. Like... So then, then your roster should be pretty pretty stacked. But if, yeah, if you go up there, because I started doing some of those, I think you have like two or three people to go through still. But you can get like I think if you need to get, you know, the collectible and collector in me. If you go for like all the all the priorite strides or the 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 Jedi Temple scrolls or all those other little collectibles, some of the people you fight will reward you with one of those. So you have to go through them to get all the collectibles for that kind of stuff anyway. Okay. Yeah. See, like, but I thought that was a really fun kind of mini game trying that out. When they're attached to lore like scanning the enemies where they t- yeah. gives you a little information about them stuff that's attached to lore. I tend to be more interested in. Okay. Whereas a lot of the collectibles here, are like you can put a different color on your lightsaber. I'm like, man, I'm already pretty much done with the game at this point. Do I really care yeah. enough to go hunt down different colors for the lightsaber that, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, I'm done. I beat the game already. Like I don't, I'm not going to use these. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, I'm still doing it. I like all my collectibles and stuff. So I, I'm probably going to try to see if I can 100% it. We'll see. Because I do want to actually play it again. Like, I'd like to try to bump up difficulty, try New Game Plus, and see if I can get through it again. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it right away, but I definitely it's in it definitely something I want to come back to and play. I liked it that much that I think I want to go back through and play it again. So so do um, be aware. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this with Souls games, but if you do New, new Game Plus, that will bump up the difficulty on its own in Souls games, typically. So yeah. you may not want to bump up the difficulty and New Game Plus at the same time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm yeah. hoping, like, I, I don't know, know that this some game of the abilities and stuff carry over. So I'm hoping with a little bit more, uh, like having Cal a little bit more stacked, I think, at the beginning, even if the difficulty goes up, that it will help mitigate that a little bit. 
Well, that's the idea of New Game Plus. Is like the, yeah. the beginning of the game is much easier, whereas typically in Souls games and stuff like that, the beginning tends to be harder your first playthrough. Right. And then you just kind of plow through the beginning of it because it's all percentage-based. So right. like the enemy that had 100 health that gets 10% more it really doesn't take another swing to beat, especially since your damage is at end game now. Right, right. Whereas the enemy at the end of the game that had 10,000 health that gets 10% more, it's a adding some more time to that fight that you're going to be in because your right. damage hasn't improved that much more over the course of the game. A um, couple other quick questions maybe before we end here. Uh, as far as some of the customization we were talking about, what did, uh, what was your, what does your cow look like? Oh, Just I got a curiosity. I gave him a mustache and a mohawk. That was, what was the outfit for him too? I don't remember the name. Anything, anything specific them. you were running with or did you switch it out here and there? I would switch it out when I got new stuff, but I was there was one I don't remember what they called it, but it looked a little bit like um Obi-Wan's like general Kenobi armor that you would see okay. in the you know, where it's like white. Yeah, you know, it was like the the pointed plastic armor kind of stuff that yeah, yeah. he had. I, I kinda liked using some of that. That was kind of fun. Um But yeah, I didn't really stick to one and they all had random names so telling you which one yeah. I, I really couldn't off the top of my head but definitely mustache mohawk like, combo i was rolling with his like basically default outfit i was changing the colors a little bit because i thought i really thought the design of him just in the game i thought was really cool yeah um i think i did give him a little bit of a beard i didn't really change the hairstyles too much i think on my next playthrough i'll probably give him like the the long wavy hair i think i kind of like that look <laughs> so we'll see how it looks um as far as like outfits like I pre-ordered the deluxe edition, so I had like a Han Solo outfit that I think I floated around there for a little bit. I played was it with like the, like the, the blue pants and brown vest Han Solo, or was it the? It was it was the pants and vest, but you could change up the colors too. So I think I I did a couple variations there, and then like oh, there was a Luke okay. outfit that had like it started with like the yellow jacket from A New Hope that he gets with the mm-hmm. with the Han Solo the looking pants, room. but yeah, and you get some different colors there to play with. So I I was wearing that for a while. Eventually, I think I moved to. I just, it was basically like a shirt and then I had like a shoulder bandolier that really reminded me of uh, the look for Kyle Katarn, his okay. look. I, so I, I know the shirt that you're talking while. about. Um, that might have been what I used to finish the game too. I think I stuck with the Kyle Katarn look for a while, but I really like that one. Um, and then lightsaber colors, I was going with, uh, started with blue for a while, went to cyan. I think I used that for a lot. Did green for a little bit just to see what it looked like. I think cyan was like my my main choice. Now I think when I've been playing, I think I was using the indigo, which is like a bluish purple kind of look, which mm-hmm. I think looks actually really cool in the in the game. Um, did you have a lightsaber color of choice? Well, I was using. I mean, on my hilt, I, I was going with like ivory and gold. Like okay, it, it was yeah, like I did a little bit of that too. Ivoryish yeah. color with you know gold accent, and then I was orange. Same as the okay, first your game. Your blade was orange. Okay, yeah, I orange is my favorite color and. They made orange an option. It's not quite turning to the dark side. It's, you know, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, I, nobody really has an orange lightsaber in yeah, canon. Not really. So I don't really know what the orientation is. I mean, it, it's right. closer to a reddish color, but I, I, I don't really count that as dark side because it's yeah. orange, not red. I just think it's fun. Like, there's enough customizable options in there that I think it, everybody can sort of have a different cow that's that's quote unquote theirs, and I think that's just kind of cool to to see. I think the one thing that pissed me off with the lightsaber customization was as soon as you get the cross hilt, 
which unlocks like the Kylo Ren stance, if you will, like the big yeah. heavy swings, which I don't know. They felt awkward to me because the lightsaber is not any heavier regardless of where like it, it seemed like it. That's felt always like been my argument too, it but it's not the dark saber. You know what I mean? Like the dark saber is meant to have that to it or whatever, but it's not that like, it's, I don't know. Well, I are, my argument has always been the blade is light. Light doesn't weigh anything. So it, the, the, it, the, the, my, my thought process, and some people will argue this with me just because I think the way Lucas explains it is the lightsaber is supposed to be like Excalibur. They're supposed to be heavy. They're supposed to be two-handed. They're supposed to be only for the worthy type of thing. Sure. Um, I always spun it the other way in, in my head canon is that lightsabers are awkward to use because all the weight is in the handle. Typically right. with a sword, there's weight in the blade, so you can account for that when you're fighting. If the blade is light... It, there's no weight there, it's so it's awkward to try to, to fight with it because you're not accounting for any weight for the blade. It's just all in the hilt. It's fencing, which is yeah. it, which is really how lightsaber fights would play out because you just have to touch people. You don't, like, it's a, like it right. destroys whatever it touches, so why are you going to bother taking these wide, strong swings right. when all you got to do is poke, and you just poke holes through people like it's... Yeah. It's so much easier and more effective to poke. That's all people will do. But the part that pissed me off about the lightsaber customization is you can have a single lightsaber. You can have the double lightsaber. You can have the Darth Maul, you know, dual, double-sided lightsaber. And you can have, you know, the cross hilt. But I can't have a cross hilt double-sided lightsaber. <laughs> and I couldn't have a cross hilt in one hand with a Shoto in the other. Yeah. Um, I wanted those options. Like, let me have the cross hilt. Added it. I know a cross hilt double blade lightsaber would be dumb as shit. The person using <laughs> it would constantly be hurting themselves. But is there anything more dark side than that? No. <laughs> but having like the option to have it with like a, maybe a little short saber as well would have been really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. And the addition of like the blaster into it, I had so it was something I had spoiled for me was the blaster stance. And the whole time I was thinking, we're getting Ezra's lightsaber build. Oh. <laughs> I it, Had that been the case, I would have only used the blaster and saber. Yeah. As it was, I didn't use the blaster at all. I, oh, like, see, I fired my, my it when they trained, stance. and then I was single saber the rest of the way. See, that was once I got that, I used that a lot. I, I started mm-hmm. alternating between blaster and cross guard, and then single and cross guard. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised I used the cross guard as much as I did, honestly, because I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, but I think just the the heavy hits that it was doing, I, I couldn't not use it. I felt like I was getting through enemies quicker, so I just kept kept at it. Yeah, but cross I guard liked was the, cool. I liked what the blaster gave me as far as range, where I could keep my distance and just try to keep enemies at bay if I needed to take a little bit to heal up or get my bearings or something. That seemed like it worked really well for me. That's fair. I, I would just so use the I gotta, saber throw. In... See, I didn't use that as much. I I definitely didn't use the abilities that I unlock and a lot of the force powers as much as I should have. Oh, I was force primarily powers. just kind of like going for the lightsaber hits and trying to hit them. And that my my combat expertise, I think, definitely needs some work. It's something I have to so, I have to play around with more of the variety with it. I'll give you something super fun to use, and it's real simple. Use your cross guard. Have your heavy heavy attack ready, but first run directly into a group of enemies. Use the force pull to pull everybody in the range around you. Do the heavy attack with the cross guard, and okay. just lay down massive damage to everybody in a radius. It's awesome. Okay. 
Um, it works too for like the double bladed say like the double sided lightsaber. It works really well with that too to pull everybody in and then just have sweeping damage all around you. Because that one has right, the one where okay. you like throw it and it zips around all around you. Right, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So using those two in combo was fun. Um, but I still tended I see, to stick is... to the single saber. And I think this is the the another chalk this up for just being a good game is that they have enough options in here that you and I played the same game completely differently. Yeah. Like our, our cows look different. We're using different stuff. The abilities we were using were different. The lightsaber stances we were using were different. Welcome to <laughs> what is so good about dark souls. <laughs> Welcome. Just take a, maybe. just dip your toes maybe. in and you, maybe you'll figure it out that you can play that game any way you want. And that's what makes maybe. it so great. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe a little bit more open to it than I was before just after playing this game. But I think I have to put a little bit more time into this game before I really want to venture out into other things. But this, this obviously like this and fallen order, get me just because it's star Wars. Like I wouldn't play these games probably if it wasn't for star Wars. That's fair. So we'll, we'll see if it, if it gets me to branch out anymore. Oh, I know one thing else I wanted to bring up just as a, as a kudos to people designing video games like this is that Spider-Man did this too, but the customization that you do to Cal since they're doing all the cutscenes like in engine, all of that stuff comes over in the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. So whatever your cow looks like, you see him in all the cutscene. It doesn't default to like, you know, default look cow. And then when the cutscene's over, you're back it, to what you look like. It's not pre-rendered, which is right. Right. Yeah. The, one of the things that I think they could do that a lot of other games in this genre have done that would be cool since they're pre not doing pre-rendered cutscenes is let you customize the other characters in your crew too. Oh yeah. Like, just, you know, fuck around with Grease's third or fourth arm, whatever you want to call it. Like, the, <laughs> the you know, the mechanics of that. They'd mess around with Marin's outfit and what Seer looks like. They let you do it to BD, so why not the rest? I was going to say, did you customize BD at all? I did a little bit. There, it didn't change enough, and he's not visible enough for me to have cared a lot. I did his colors, and that was about it. You know, yeah, I think made I saw a couple and parts that I liked, but once I, once I got a look for him that I liked, I never really changed it. I put a couple different colors in them. That was about it. Yeah. But um, any other final thoughts or we'll kind of close it up. We don't usually rate like do proper like video game reviews, but I think we will probably try to give this a rating when, before we're done. I, so I think anything, it could be a good get in there before start of a series where we actually do this every now and then because we really <laughs> I don't remember us ever doing an actual video game review. Yeah, I don't remember if Not, we really did either. It would be fun well, to do some of these. Video, the only thing with video games is they're tougher than most because, and this one's a little bit different, I think, because it has like a it's a single player game, so there's a there's a linear path to finish, quote unquote, finish the game with the story. Um, well, there's a lot of those these days. I'm sure. We're, right, but I'm I don't sure primarily play, the play Spider-Man a lot of them. Game. I guess you Spider-Man know. could be another one for sure because that when one I would Wolverine definitely play. And comes get out someday. That, you know, the right. people making Spider-Man are making Wolverine, so... So they might be few and far between, but yeah, I guess for the more single player type things, I think that primarily what I end up playing is, is either multiplayer stuff or, like, you know, live service games, which don't really have an ending. So we could talk about them, but they change and vary all the time, so it's hard to get a definitive, I guess, no, but review I mean, you could review the games like, really done. I don't know, like, I, I, you could review, like, the season that they're on of whatever game you're on because they all do like season passes and changes and stories for seasons or stuff like that. We're like, yeah, even call of duty changes stuff for the seasons. You know I mean? Where Warzone plays differently and the game plays, you know, stuff like that happens, but I don't know if it warrants a whole review. Yeah. We'll have to see, you know, 
I'd like to see what the other guys are playing too. We'll have to see if we can all get on the same page with something to try to get everybody through at the same time. Because I think that's the other thing is, I know, I know Ian gets through some stuff, but he plays some different stuff than we do. I mean, you and I even play different stuff than each other too. And I know Andy doesn't play as much as the rest of us, and his back catalog is is just exploding. So I don't know what we could get everybody on the same page to try to do. But yeah, we could we could try to figure that out and see if we can find some. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point, anything more with this game? No. I think we said a lot. I think we said enough. I think the last thing I want to bring up is the, I've had a lot of fun, which I'm trying to do now is go back and finish all the bounty hunters, like hunt them down. I did that in the first game and then they just started feeling repetitive to me. Okay. I mean, some of them are, um, I don't want to, part of kind of funny's review is they started getting to the bounty hunters and they said, if you finish the tree and get all the way up, there's a good boss to fight at the end there. Oh. And I heard a name, and I don't know if that's the one you fight or if they were comparing to that bounty hunter, but I kind of want to get in there and see if that's the case or not. So I'm trying to work my way up the tree. I'm about halfway done. What's the name? Boba Fett was tossed around. So I don't know if you fight Boba Fett or not, but I want to see what that's like. Again, when I was watching their spoiler cast review, they were talking about this the getting into the spoilers of the bounty hunters. They said something about Boba Fett. I stopped watching because I didn't know if that was the spoiler or if it's going to go somewhere else, but Okay. I'm going to try to get there and check it out. So I didn't I'm get there yet. I'm trying to add up like how old would Boba be at that point and it's not very old. Like he he would be like maybe 20. Yeah, young young Ish. Fett probably. So, so I was I mean, just trying we'll, to add we'll up see. like what would happen there? But again, at the way the conversation was going in the video that I watched, they might have said, I thought it was going to be Boba Fett, and maybe it was someone else, but I just stopped watching because I didn't know where, where the conversation was going, and I didn't want it spoiled for me. So, Do we canonically we'll end I, up giving Boba Fett the dent? I figure it's got to be either Boba Fett or Cad Bane. Like, I could see either one of those. If it's or not Dengar, Boba Fett, I could see Cad Bane. Or, or, yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a wide range of bounty hunters, but if you're picking a name... I think those are the two for me that I'd be really excited to see and just see what happens if you fight them. So I'd be kind of amped for IG-88. That would be kind of fun. I mean, up until now, like you said, most of the ones I'm fighting are all generic ones that look a little bit similar, the same. They have the same kind of moves as some of the other bounty hunters. They looked like some of the other, yeah, right, some of the ones from the first game that you sort of fought. So, but... It seemed like there was something there. I just don't know what it is or who it is. So I'm trying to get through that tree to see what happens. But well, I'm, I mean, I'm on the on the verge of trying to replace some of this stuff to see what else I can find. But if it is Boba Fett, I guess I'll have to do that because I'm not going to miss a <laughs> Boba Fett boss fight. Like that's I'm not I'm not missing that. So. Well, do you want me to get there and let you know? Yes I mean, no I can just before... Google it. Okay. Like, you know, like I I won't spoil it for you, but I can always just Google it. That's fair. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to just see if I could stumble upon it and see what happens from there, but um but yeah, that's the last thing I got. I'm I'm still still working through the game. I'm excited to try to keep chipping away at some of the stuff that I missed the first time, go through some of the collectibles. I'm still going through the Jedi temples. That was another thing I guess we didn't talk about. I have I think there's something you get if you do all seven on Kobo, which I think I have six of the seven. I have to figure out what the seventh one is. Cause there's a there's a there's a part of the story that takes you like sort of underground to some sort of maybe when you're aligning the dish before you go to Tantalor, I think there's a place you go to. And as soon as you get down in the tunnel, there's to your left, there's seven uh, terminals that 
depending on how many Jedi temples you unlock, are colored green or red. And I think I had a lot of red ones there when I first got in there, and maybe only a couple greens. And there's a safe point right in front of them, and then to the right of the safe point, right behind, right in front of a pane of glass, there's a terminal that the map is telling me there's a collectible there on the terminal, which I think should be an upgrade maybe for BD-1 or something. But I can't interact with the terminal. My best guess is I don't get whatever's in that terminal until I've gotten all the terminals to the left green from doing all the temples. That makes sense. So that's something else I need to try to get through and figure out where that is and what I get from there. So there is, I think there's a lot of replayability there, which I think is really cool. And it's, it's helping me not want to put the game down after beating the story, which is not something I did for the Fallen Order. Fallen Order, I beat the game and that was it. I didn't go back and play anything else. I just moved on. I had every intention to go back, but I never did. This one I'm finding a lot more difficult to put down and try to play other stuff. I'm I'm really having a lot of fun with it. Um, so with that being the case, all right, let's tie up with a rating. Uh, Mike, what do you think you give this one out of 10? Out of 10, I'd go an 8.5. It's... It's really good. It could um, use a bit of polishing. Uh, and some of the story beats were a little off for me. But all around, it's a really fun game. If you like Star Wars, it's going to bump this up for you. Obviously, I love Star Wars, but I'm trying to give it an objective rating without like being like, oh, God, it's the best lightsaber gameplay <laughs> they've ever made. It is. And if you're looking for that, this is the game to do it in. Uh, so, you know... It, but I can't rate it just on that. I have to, you know, th- there is some Fair. minor issues that I think drag it down to an eight and a half for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm was debating if I'd give this a 10 cause I, I do, I absolutely love it that much. Um, I think I'm going to go with 9.5 only because some of the technical issues I would have liked 60 frames solid for this game. I think it just would have looked that much better that way. Um, and just some of the maybe buggy frustrational parts for me, not that I had a lot, but it kind of just makes me not want to give it a perfect score. Uh, but again, all that aside, I absolutely love this game and I'm having a hard time not playing it. I definitely want to replay it again, which I don't say a lot for a lot of single player games. Once I beat the story, sometimes it, most of the time it's just move on, get to the next one. But this is, this has been really enjoyable and I'm, I'm really looking forward to actually playing through it again. I doubt I'll stream the second playthrough. I might just might just do that on my own. I've kind of stopped streaming it since I beat the story. Uh, but if anyone is curious and wants to see me uh, go through it again on harder difficulty or New Game Plus or something, let me know. I, I can try to stream that, but I wasn't planning on it. Uh, we'll see if I can pick another game to stream. I know there's other single-player games in my back catalog I need to get through, so i got to kind of pick one. Oh, we, you know... We we talked about this the one time we did the back catalog episode, right? We each kind of picked a game that we should be playing after that. I don't think I ever did. I think I think Bioshock was the game I landed on from you guys telling me that's what I need to play. And I don't think I ever did that. You want you want a ten? Play Bioshock. You, <laughs> you want an actual ten? Play the remastered Bioshock, obviously, because why wouldn't you? I have it. Um, yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's on Game Pass, or maybe no, maybe it's on the Sony. Maybe it's on well, the PlayStation the, version. The, the remastered, oh. like the Bioshock collection on Xbox One, it was like 10 bucks or something for all three games. So I, I bought that like years ago. I just haven't done anything with it yet. So well, then maybe, this might have been decided. Maybe Bioshock is the next one I stream whenever I get there. Whenever I finally get a chance to put down Jedi Survivor, Bioshock might be Bi- the next Bioshock one. Bioshock is, is a 10. Mine was Metroid Dread, which I attempted. 
and did not like, so I put it down. I, <laughs> I, it was the first time I actually played a 2D Metroid and was like, meh. It just, I, I don't know, I wasn't feeling well, it, but I did try it. I didn't put it down for lack of anything but joy. I, it was a lack yeah. of joy while playing, so... It is what so it I is. Think, I think Ian was what metal metal slug or or, and I forget what we chose for Andy. Fuck, I'll have to go back and listen to that. We gotta we gotta double check with these people and see if they played what they were supposed to play. <laughs> I think Andy might have been Fallen Order. I uh, yeah, I can't remember. I'll have to go back and listen. We'll have to double check that. Yeah. Check our math. Let let us know if we need Andy to start playing Fallen Order based on our our decision from last time. Uh. All right, well, that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Hopefully, anyway, you're finding podcasts, you can find us. You can check us out on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Try to email me, Superfriends at gmail.com. I will not check it, but it's a legit email. I swear to God, it works. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Superfriends that I will see and respond to. Uh, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, if you want to watch or go back and watch some of the, the VODs that I have for the uh, Twitch stream I did for Jedi Survivor, those videos are up on my page. That is Jedi Bry Guy, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, you can check it out there. Anywhere we decide to, um, or whenever, sorry, we decide to do another live show, if we record that live, we'll be doing it on Twitch, so you can feel free to stop there and check it out. Uh we haven't really planned one in a while, so I don't know if we'll when, how soon we'll do one. But if we uh, decide to do one in the future, that's where we'll do it. Um, other than that, I think that's it. On behalf of Mike and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>